0: No more messages on Dr. Newt, just because I know the Lord's leading us to do something different this Sunday night. We're going to look at um, true worship, and we, we look there in John chapter 4, and it speaks of true worship, and God is seeking that from us. God is seeking that from his creation, and true worshipers worship him in spirit and in truth. We're going to look at that on Sunday night. I'm very excited about that as well. But we have to get, we're going to preach tonight's message first, That I'm also very much excited about here in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be in reading in verse 18. Let's all stand together as we begin that. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We're going to look at the thought tonight of praying for the gospel's sake, praying for the gospel's sake. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are, what you've done for us. God, again, just the privilege that it is to be here tonight, God, I pray that we as we are here, God, we're understanding, Lord, it's been a busy week so far, a lot going on in our lives. But God, I pray tonight that as we're here in church, that as we have your word open before us, God, that we are ready to receive it, that our heart is in a place where we can be helped by it. We've got to pray that if there is something right now that might hinder that, Lord, that we would give those things over to you at this moment, God, so you can speak to us as you want us to be spoken to through your word. Well, bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I read of a pastor some time ago that was passing through town that he'd been in for many, many years, and he had the sudden impulse to go to the department store that he had been to time and time again. He'd known the owner for many years, and he went with the intent to talk to the owner about his salvation. And he went back to the back of the store and found his office, and he went in there and he said, you know what, I've talked beds with you, I've talked carpets with you, I've talked bookcases with you, but I've never talked my business with you. And he asked him if he gave him a few minutes to do that. And he was led to uh, his private office. The pastor took out a New Testament and he showed him the Romans rule. And he went through passage after passage of, of what God said a person must do to be saved. And as he got, got to this place, the, that businessman knelt and bowed his head and trusted the Lord as a Savior. And as, as he finished, uh, the pastor wrote that this, this man had tears rolling down his face. And he looked at the pastor and he said, I'm 70 years old. I was born in this city, and I've, I've sold things to more than 100 pastors in my lifetime, and at least 500 of my customers have, have, are churchgoers that I've known for much of my business years. But in all these years, you're the only man who ever spoke to me about my soul. That's a big deal. And as we think about the area we live in, uh, no doubt there's missed opportunities I've already had in the five or six weeks I've been here. And you can think of, I can can go back through my lifetime and I can think of people that I dealt with at restaurants or or stores, whatever it may be, uh, neighbors that I had, friends that I played with as a kid that are probably without the gospel at this moment because I didn't tell them. And, And I think if we're honest with ourselves tonight, we can think of people that we come in contact with day to day, that we see uh, when we go out to the mailbox that we may see at work or, or other places that are without Jesus at this moment. We need to understand the importance of the gospel. And it's, we need to share it. We need to be purposed to share it. But there's one more thing that we're going to discuss tonight. It's as important as it is. Do you think that it should be taken to God? Do we, do we pray that God will help us reach our neighbors? Do we pray that God will help us reach our coworker? Do we pray that God will help us reach those that we may see at school? You know, Paul wrote this, this church to the this this book, excuse me, to the Church of Ephesus. And he also wrote many other letters, one of them to the church of Colossae, and in Colossians chapter four, verse two, he said, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And we look here in Ephesians at the end, and we see a similar request that he's he's writing here in this letter. And as we understand just these two portions of Scripture, we could find many, many others as evidence of what we need to be doing tonight. But just in these two portions of Scripture, with that being understood, do you think that it's important for us to pray for the gospel to be furthered? Do you think that? And if we think that and if we agree with that tonight, how do we do that? As as we look here in Ephesians chapter six verse eighteen, the first thing that we need to that we can do as we pray for the sake of the gospel is that we can pray mindful of the provision of Christ. Pray mindful of the provision of Christ. There in verse eighteen it says, "Praying always with all supplication, excuse me, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints." And as we as we look at this, we ha- we understand our provision in Christ is what the first half of the letter of ephesians talks about i think many of us have read ephesians several times many many times in our life and if we go to the very beginning of the chapter we can look at the greeting and all the things going on in verse 3 it says blessed be the god and father of the lord jesus christ of chapter 1 who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in christ god has blessed the christian with heavenly blessings it, we can we continue reading this book and look in chapter 2, verse 4. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his, love, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. We understand he's given us his love. He died because he loves us. He paid the debt for our sins because he loves us. We look there in verse 8 and 9. I've used this passage several times since I've, since I've been here preaching. And we understand that we are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift from God, right? Not of works that any man should boast. God's provided us much in salvation. Nothing we, we did could attain it. Only what he did in, in put our, putting our faith in that has given us salvation. And then I'm thankful for the time we were able to have studying the, the topic of eternal security on Sunday night. And as we looked at those, the evidence we have and looked at the promises we have of God, we can be sure and be thankful for the amazing provision that we have in Jesus and, and, and he wants that to affect us in every aspect of our life. And as Paul got to the second part, half of this letter in, in, to the church of Ephesus there in chapter 4, verse 1, look what he says here. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So we spoke in the first three chapters of the blessings we have in Christ, what we have in salvation, what's been provided for us. And then he tells us here in verse 1, understand your provision. Then he says, live in light of the provision. So understand what you've been given through Christ, but now that you are aware of that and been reminded of it, walk worthy of it. Because of what's been given to you, you you should be walking differently than the rest of the world. Live in light of the provision, and he continues there in chapter 4, and he says, Because we have been given these things from God, let the provision of God affect, and there in verse 17, your view of the world. Verse 20, in verse 28 of chapter 4, your view of work and money. And in verse 29, let it affect the way you talk to and deal with people through the end of the chapter. Then we get to chapter 5, and he says, Because in that first half of what's been provided for you, let it affect your view of fornication. Go on through the chapter, let it affect your marriage role. In verse 22, chapter 6, let it affect the way you view your parents. Let it affect the way then you view your children. Let, let it affect the way you view your job. So because of all we, that we've been given, because of what's God, what God has done for us, there, is a, there are certain expectations on our life. And then, and then we get there to verse 18, where he tells us to pray always to be alert, to watch out for the attacks of the devil. We're spending most of our time in verse 19 and 20, but I want you to notice the uh, words that are used here in this text that take our attention back to the previous verses in this chapter. If you look there in verse 19, there is the word and. That means this is a continuation of something else before it. It's a connective word, which takes our attention to previous verses in this chapter. And he's been talking about the wonderful, wonderful provision that God has given us. And if we look in these, these, these verses that are immediately preceding what we find here, he's also provided us armor. Armor that we can use in the battle that each of us are in tonight. So as Paul wrote this under the inspiration of God, he was imprisoned in, in, in very close proximity to Roman soldiers around the clock. And as he was sitting there looking at these Roman soldiers and looking at their armor, God and his inspiration began to speak to him and give him clear illustrations of what we have in our God as well. And he looked at the, the belt that the soldier was wearing and he says, you know, we have one as well, the belt of truth. Then he looked at the breastplate and the protection that that soldier had for his heart and other organs. And he says, you know what, we have that too, the breastplate of righteousness. And he saw his boots and he says, we have the, our feet uh, strong and, and, and we have sure footing in the gospel of peace. Then he looked at the weapons he may have had and his arrows he say, and, and the shield there to knock down the arrows. And he said, we have the shield of faith. And he saw his helmet. It reminded him of the helmet of salvation to protect our mind. And then he saw the sword and he, he compared that to the word of God, the word, the word of God that we have in our possession, the sword of the Spirit. So understanding what's been provided as well beyond what we found in the previous chapters, looking here in chapter 6 beginning in verse 10, we have armor from God. And as we have that, we understand through a life in him, we have complete protection. He is our truth. He's our righteousness. He is our peace. Our faith in him is a shield that protects us from the attacks of the devil. Our salvation protects our heads. His word is is our sword. He has not left us helpless in the battle that we are facing. We have his armor. And and to put on this armor, as he he tells us to, there's an action that needs to be done In our life each and every day to put on the whole armor of God, not to go to battle without these things he's provided for us, means that we live daily, not in our own strength, but in his strength. But why do we need the armor? Because we're at war. What does it say there in verse 12? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there's an enemy out there. We are at war. We understand that the devil wants to do anything he can to stop you from making any difference for Christ. He wants to do anything he can to keep you from growing in Christ. He wants to do anything he can to make you think that you cannot do anything for Christ. He can't destroy us because we're secure in him. We talked about that Sunday night. But he will try to discourage you. He will try to distract you. He will try to get you off of the battle plan that God has for your life. And, and, and I think one of the reasons that we don't pray as we should as Christians, one of the, reasons, the things that may keep us from praying as we should is because we forget that we are at war. There was an old preacher that talked about prayer being like a wartime walkie-talkie. And, he, and I, I remember as a kid, I don't know if I've, I've told you much about my childhood, but I was, I was pretty sheltered as a boy. I, I I thought that I grew up in the same time frame as as Opie. I I, I thought one day I'd be able to meet him. We'd be friends. I, I I grew up in the '60s and '70s. That's that's how I grew up. And we watched all the old movies, uh, all the different all the different things there. And I remember many war movies and different shows where they had those walkie-talkies out there in the field. And when they needed help, they would call and call call in for help or they would ask for a battle plan, whatever it may be. But an old preacher compared that wartime walkie-talkie to what we have in Jesus. And as we are in this battle, we can go to him at any moment and communicate our needs. We can go to him at any moment and ask him for help, ask him for wisdom, ask him for guidance. We can communicate with our God at any moment in this battle that we are in. But one of the reasons we don't pray as we should in our daily life and ask for the things we should ask for is because we really aren't aware of the daily battle that we are in. He tells us there in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, that we should always be in an attitude of prayer because of the battle that we're in. Some people, when they preach this, will say that prayer is another piece of armor. And, you know, if you want to say it that way and explain it that way, that is fine. I don't really, I, I don't think that's really it. I think it's more than that. Prayer works in connection with the armor, but it's not something we add to the armor. It it needs to be in addition to every single piece of armor that we have. A preacher on this thought named John White, he said, Hell's legions are terrified of prayer. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Prayer is, is how we claim what we have in Jesus. And we stand against the devil every time we fall on our faces before God. But he says there, praying in the Spirit. What what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? It means to, first of all, pray in cooperation with the Spirit. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the thought of, of praying in the name of Jesus, and, and as we prayed in the name of Jesus, we are in cooperation with what he stands for and what he desires and his will, all those other details that we looked at. You know, in Sunday school, this, this last Sunday, it was, the thought was, was given that the Holy Spirit is not a force, not an object, he's a person. And I hope if you were in Sunday school that, that that's something that stuck to your mind and something that you are truly thankful for. The Holy Spirit is a person. We don't need to look at the, the Spirit of God as just this, this mystical being. He is God. And as we are praying in the Spirit, as He as he dwells within us, we, are, we need to pray in cooperation with Him. As we look throughout this book, the Spirit of God is mentioned quite often. If you look back in chapter 1 and verse 13, He says, in whom you trusted, after that ye heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also, after that ye believed, ye were what sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He has sealed. If you are saved, you have been sealed by the Spirit. He's never going to leave. He's there. He is. He is with you. He may be quenched. He, he may. He may. Uh, you may have done things where you haven't cooperated with him for some time, and you, have, you are being punished, or you have been being. Uh, neglected and your relationship is hurt because of it, but he's always there. You are sealed. It's never, he's never going to leave. We, we look in chapter 5, verse 18 it says, and be not drunk with wine. Don't be affected by, uh, by alcohol. Don't let that influence you or in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So don't be affected by some other outside influence. Be affected by the Spirit which dwells within you. Don't allow those temptations or those strongholds or, or the things that may overtake your life to to, to cause you to do everything you do, let your life be run by the Spirit that has sealed you. You know, when Paul says we are to pray in the Spirit, he's telling us to pray in cooperation with God, yielding to His will and valuing what He thinks over what we think. So praying in the Spirit is in cooperation with Him. And the other other thing, the second thing, praying in the Spirit means to pray in agreement with the Word He has given. Who? was the one that inspired Scripture to be written. It was the Spirit of God. He he is who inspired the words to be written that we are reading tonight. And he worked through more than 50 human authors over 1,500 years to produce this book. And as we are praying in the Spirit, we're not only cooperating with him, but we are are praying in agreement with what he has revealed to us, which is the Word of God. And as we pray, and as we understand that thought, the Holy Spirit will never lead a person to violate the Word of God. So there, there, may, be, there may be people that you have talked to in your life, and, and possibly you may have made a mistake at one time or another in your life where you chose to do something and that was against the Word of God, but you said, I prayed about it, it's what God wanted me to do. If it was against the Word of God, God was not in that. God won't lead us to do something contrary to the truth he's given us, to the instruction that he's given us. So praying in the Spirit of God means we are praying in cooperation with the Holy Spirit and also in agreement with the words the Spirit has already given us, which we definitely have in our Bible tonight. So we need to pray mindful of the provision we have in Christ, in our relationship with him. All those blessings, and I'm thankful for the Spirit, I'm thankful for the armor. But the the last thing tonight we need to be mindful of as we are praying for the uh, furtherance of the gospel is we need to pray mindful, not only of the provision, but pray mindful of the gospel. Pray with the gospel in mind. Paul was locked away in prison when he wrote this book. I don't think, I don't know, but if you were, you possibly might make a phone call or two or write a letter to somebody asking for certain things, I would think. That's what, that's what happens a lot of times. If anybody, Paul knew because of the gift he'd been given through Christ, he was indebted and he had no other choice but to share it with others. An ambassador, as he says in verse 20, it's, it's someone who represents a, the leader of a country and his dealings with people in another country. And Paul saw himself as an ambassador for Christ. Similar to what God had with Ezekiel. Look at Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3. this has helped to you tonight sometimes people may be in the pew and you may say you know what pastor you talk about witnessing in the gospel every week sometimes every service and i'm not forcing it <laughs> we keep finding it over and over again in the word of god i think if it's in there it's, it's important we, we need to have we need to be mindful of the gospel look at ezekiel chapter 3 verse 17 he says son of man i have made thee a watchman under the house of israel Therefore hear the word of thy mouth and give them warning from me when I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. There was a responsibility given to the watchman, and if he did not do his job, the blood of those people was on the hands of the watchman. That's convicting application for us tonight. God allows you to live in the situation you live in, in the town that you live in, have the job that you have, and his intent is for you to share the gospel with those you come in contact with. It's your responsibility. Think think about tonight your your unsaved family members you may have, people that you dearly care about that are without Christ, your neighbors, people you work with, people you go to school with, people you see at the restaurant. Think about your worst enemy, the person that's never done anything good to help you. If they die without Christ, they will forever perish. Is it hard to be a witness for for the Lord? Yeah. That's why Paul, the greatest missionary to ever live, prayed for the help of God. He needed the words. Second thing he asked for was not just words, but he prayed for courage. We look there in verse 19. He says, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly. We look there in verse 20. What did he say again? That therein I may speak boldly. Two times he asked that he would not only be able to present it, but he would present it boldly. What is, what is one of the greatest enemies to our witness, you think? I, I think for me, one of my greatest enemies is, is fear of what the other person may think or say or how they may react. I think if we're honest with ourselves, one of the aspects that may keep us from doing it is fear of what may happen as we do it. How the relationship may be affected, how the person may receive us, what they may say in return that may be just fear of rejection. If we look at Paul requesting specifically for for courage or boldness to speak, it would indicate that through prayer and through God granting that request, that fear could be overcome with God's help. I don't know who said this quote, but another old preacher, he said, in the midst of a generation screaming for answers, Christians are Stuttering. We live in a world that is searching, we live, and, and we live in a—I believe—we live in one of the greatest, greatest times ever for witnessing. People want to know the truth, and, and there's conversations going on all over the place. People just wanting to know what is true, and we have it in our possession. Let's pray for boldness. Let's pray for God to give us the courage we need to stand up and to proclaim what it is He has for us as Christians to proclaim. I'll say it again, I believe one of the greatest reasons we fail to pray as we should, for God to use us, for God to to protect us, for God to work in our families, in our church, I I believe one of the greatest reasons we fail to do those is that we really don't believe or we really don't comprehend the fact that we are at war. Someone said most people show by their priorities and their casual approach to spiritual things that they believe we are at peacetime not wartime. The casualties of this war do not merely lose an arm or an eye or an earthly life. They lose everything, even their own soul, and enter a hell of everlasting torment. If we really believe we're we're in a spiritual war, we will be alert and we will pray. I don't think it could be said any any clearer than that. I'm, I'm not up here tonight doubting that we pray. I believe, I believe if you're here on a Wednesday night, you, you, you pray often. But what do we pray for? What do we pray for? Are, are we praying for the things that matter the most for eternity? You know, Paul was asking for words. Paul was asking for courage. And then the last thing he was asking for, Paul asked for prayer, for help in making the most out of God-sent opportunities. I believe as, as we read these, these letters from Paul that Paul saw his prison stint as opportunities from God. God's, God sent trials because he, he said in Romans chapter 8, God works all things together for good. And he, he fell under the positive aspect of that verse and he understood if he was in this prison, that was something that God allowed. Was he falsely accused? Yes. But he knew that he would not be chained to a Roman guard in this time of his life if God didn't have a purpose in it. He saw it as an opportunity to give the gospel. He saw saw it as an opportunity for for God to be lifted up and for the gospel to be given out. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Because he was in prison, he knew that God had opened up opportunities for the gospel. And we look here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, he says, But I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that, it, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all their, all their places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul was able to reach people he was never going to reach if he wasn't in the prison. And then as this happened to him, it gave other men boldness to, to speak the word because, because they were able to see the testimony of Paul and, and him standing for the truth no matter what at this point in his life. He said, This whatever situation God has put me in is an opportunity for me to share this. But we are flesh. And it's it's our tendency always to want to protect ourselves. To, it's, it's our tendency to avoid or escape suffering at all costs Paul was no different Paul had that same tendency he wanted the easy road we can look at Paul what did he ask God to do he asked God to remove the thorn in the flesh he he wanted help to be able to do things better for God but Paul understood if this did happen to him he was there for a purpose and God had something he could do through it so because he was in this difficult situation he wasn't going to waste his time he wasn't going to sit down he wasn't going to stop serving God he was going to ask for for people to pray that they would that opportunities would come for the gospel to be furthered so what we need to view what we need to pray for is not that it's not just that we can avoid suffering but but if suffering comes that it can be used as a platform to further the gospel of Jesus. Because we are ambassadors. No matter where we are, we are an ambassador, meaning we should be speaking on the Lord's behalf. You know, God has given each of us a platform to speak from. There's many different vocations in here. Many different skill sets. God has given you the the training or the skill set to have a certain job so you can use that job as a platform to give the gospel. God has given you the, the house that you live in, the neighborhood you live in, so you can use that house as a platform to share the gospel with those around God has given you different interests, different hobbies. He's given you a love for certain sports teams or uh, basketball, baseball, soccer, football. So you can use this as an avenue to reach others. He's given you a love for certain uh, music or for, for certain festivals or for gardening. So you can use that as a platform to help others. And sometimes He grants us different platforms or special platforms so the world can see and hear us more clearly. And in Paul's instance, it was suffering. We look at Paul and we look at all the needs he he definitely had at this moment. And his number one concern was not to be relieved of this sentence, but that he could please God and further the gospel in the situation he was in. So, are we not only praying for the Gospel tonight, but are we praying for the Gospel to be taken to the world more than we are praying for our own physical needs? Are we praying for God to use the situation that you're in at this moment as a way for you to share the Gospel with others? Are we praying for the furtherance of the Gospel? I want you to imagine with me tonight if every member every attendee of our church would start praying a prayer like this. Lord, help us open up, have doors open up to talk to people at school or our community or work about Jesus. And when you open those doors, God, please give us courage to walk on the platform you've given us and stay on it until you're done using us there. Lord, help us not to be intimidated or afraid of people's reactions. Fill us with boldness and give us the words so we can have conversations about the gospel. What if we prayed that every day? What if that was our heart's desire, that that our greatest need each and every day is for God to help us further the gospel? Do you think it would make a difference? Are you praying that? Are you praying for the gospel's sake? There's someone in your life right now that you have opportunities to witness to them. Are we going to pray? Are we going to seek God's help? Let's be determined to pray for the sake of the gospel. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Search your heart tonight. Are you praying for that?